All right, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire podcast. Jeremy Moss here with Matt Kennerly as normal. MWCWire.com, website obviously. Facebook, Mountain West Wire, Twitter, MWCWire, everywhere. Help us out, right? Yeah. Visit we, our work. Like we love it. Week, We're talking a week two football. Very intriguing slate of games ahead of us this weekend. We certainly do. We start off on Thursday night. We'll get to all that stuff. We have only 11 we'll, we'll games. We'll probably still find a, a way to stretch it out to 80 minutes. Don't worry. 11. <laughs> okay. Of course. So let's talk Air Force because they're off this week. Um, have you noticed their amazing social I media team about it would be new helmets? Really Air Force always has great to helmets. To top the shark tooth uniforms that they came up with last year. But, you know, these F 35 inspired helmets that they've come up with are really cool. So have you seen them all? Have you looked at all three of them? Because I only found that one on Labor Day. I'm like, oh, let me do a quick article. Yeah, I've only had a chance to see the first one Then two more so out of five. So the first one's F-35. It's a 58th fighter so, squad. Yes. It's like a, is it a gorilla or a monkey? And it has rage on the back. We have a video we put up, but just check out their Twitter feed as well, the AF football. There's that one. Then there's the other two I just happened happened to notice just before we started recording. It is, let's see here. It The inspiration behind this one, what is that? A uh, Some sort of I've tiger? I've seen the other ones. Do you see the? Uh, have you seen this other one? The it's called Legacy Helmet Two. Also, like if you look at their, they call it mm-hmm. classified information. Level, like, oh yeah, I do like that. It. I do it's like that too. It's a nice touch as well. They do a good job. They do. So I'm like, oh, they're gonna play. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, I guarantee you, one of these is gonna be versus Michigan, Navy, yeah. and Army. Obviously, mm-hmm. but there's five. Oh, right? Man, that's a good question. Probably for Who a couple the of the big home games that they have this year. That's probably one, yeah. So Boise State? Mm-hmm. Since they also have beaten them two times in a row. Uh, I and don't then, have their schedule in Is it the Mexico me, game at so home? I'm not totally sure. I believe it is because I think they air, they give oh, up okay. the uh, Lobos give up the home game when they played at the Cotton Bowl last year. So the next one, it's a sixty third fighter. Mm-hmm. It's like a crouching tiger type deal, like a puma with its butt in the air, essentially. Not bad. It's just the, the basic outline is the same. It's that gray kind of. Is it is it a pattern of some sort, or just checkered checkered or something? But check them out. And then there's one more. It's called Spike. This other one's called. Um, it does have a name on the back. One has Rage. One has Spike. This other one, oh, they don't put on the tweet. I can't see it. Jungle, uh, it looks like. So. I'm trying to find Jungle it right Cats. Now while you're is that talking. it? Does that make sense? Maybe. They don't have on every photo for Twitter. I mean, they put a really, back angle. This is really like riveting reverse, podcasting. We would just one. encourage you to go check but it out yourself just... on Twitter. Let's <laughs> go check them out. We may make a quick thing in our newsletter, but yeah, they're they're just making amazing helmets and. Guarantee Michigan Air Force or Michigan Army Navy, uh, Boise. Uh, Who would be the last one? Be any, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to stay tuned and find out. New Mexico, I guess I said. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, bowl game, right? <laughs> It'll be a bowl game. All right, let's get to games here. Sorry, folks, we're just kind of rambling. But yeah, check out the Air Force Twitter account and 
marvel on how great they're doing about their um, uniforms and stuff. So, All right, so we start Thursday night. It's a Facebook game, which is pretty cool. Hope, well, let's hopefully it's better than San Diego State Facebook. Yeah, let's hope it's because that was a uh, the quality that a bit off, me, right? You know, I saw it with the uh, I watched a little bit of the Miami Ohio and Marshall game on Stadium, and that was actually really good. So, yeah, hopefully it's a little closer to that level of quality because if it is, that's gonna make the uh, the viewing experience a lot more pleasurable. All right, so uh, obviously I've, I've tuned in late in the San Diego State game. It looked pretty good, like I mentioned in our prior show. But this game, Utah State, they are playing Idaho State. It should be a victory. Well, Howard UNLV makes mm-hmm. this, should say, not a guarantee victory, but should be a victory. Thanks, Rebels. Oh, geez. Um, there's, what do you want to learn from Utah State? Because they played Wisconsin, who's a really good team, who pushed them around a lot. They're a top-10 team, possibly could win the Big Ten. Now they're going to the opposite end of the spectrum to like is a bad, Idaho State that bad? What are though? they? The Big Sky, Idaho State. Are we? Well, you know, I I went and did a little bit of research on Idaho me. State because that's what we do for our listeners, and you know they did win their opener against Western Oregon, which I'm not mistaken is a D two team. But you know, if you look at what they were able to do I on so. offense, they put up pretty decent numbers you know their quarterback tanner Gueller completed about two-thirds of his passes had almost 300 yards and three touchdowns and their leading rusher ty flanagan had 100 yards exactly so i think that you know if you're utah state at least on defense you don't want to overlook this team because yeah while there is a difference between facing a d2 defense and facing an fbs defense to me this suggests that you know the bengals aren't quite the kind of team you'd want to sleep on and then on the offensive side of the ball for the Aggies what I really want to see is just kind of what we've talked about in the preseason and pretty much what we talked about last week I want to see them be able to make plays down the field I want to see them come out with chunk plays like plays at 15 yards whether it's on the ground or through the air because you know this is the team that they should beat they're probably going to beat but, you know, Kent Myers is going to have to do better than 219 yards on 40 pass attempts. So if I'm looking for anything, that's what I'm looking to this game for. So did you know Jeff Sagarin's okay. ratings? He puts out his top 255 teams. Do you want to take a stab uh, where Idaho State digits? falls in line? Is it like 200-something? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yes. So wait, it's the top what? Two hundred warmer. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say they're like two hundred and twenty seconds. Two fifty four. Very close. Two seventeen. Actually oh, behind okay. Abilene Christian, who's two twelve. Okay, so maybe maybe they aren't that and good. Utah State's one of. And six. I mean, it's also worth noting because I'm looking at their game notes right now. They've <laughs> never beaten an FPS school. They're zero and twenty six since. Actually, since beating Utah State back in 2000. Don't start now. So, you know, there's a non-zero chance that they're able to pull an upset, but honestly, I (laughs) I don't see it. I can see where they might make it competitive for a little while. But, you know, Utah State, especially on defense, I've maintained that I think they have enough talent on the defensive side of the ball to make this a pretty comfortable victory when all is said and done. They should, and I agree with you. I want to see the offense click more. I want to see Kent Myers. If he throws 40 times, great. Mm-hmm. 
doesn't need to, but 20, what is he, 23 or 41? I want to see at least in this offense, 60% minimum passing percentage. But more importantly, I want to, like you mentioned, downfield, I want to see yeah, this that too. stinking running game actually do something for once. I want to see them run the ball. And they, they, they should have success and everything, but I want to see them run and run well. And we they're going to win. Week, I I, we can do we need on. to pick a score for this FCS game? All right. So we're going to stick with the FCS games at the beginning because that's a Thursday, 6 p.m. local tip there or kick there in Logan. So if you're driving up there, um, there's some wildfires up in that part of northern Utah, so be careful driving out there. So, um, yeah, it's pretty smoky today. Not fun. But next game, let's go to Abilene Christian, Colorado State. Um, before we move to actually uh, this game, it's 1.30 p.m. Is this on the Mountain it, West Network, I believe? It is on the Mountain West Network, yes. You should be able to Shoot, access it my through csurams.com. <laughs> so that means... Okay, go there instead. Actually, it'll be on our website, mwcwire.com. Yes, you can watch those games. We, they allow for that process to embed games. So we're like, yes, we will take that chance to um, people view our website. Because a lot of people came to look... In, a lot of people shared and came to look for that San Diego State game. So, really quick about last week's game. Pac-12 officiating is terrible. Their comment about basically saying, nothing to see here. We're good. We're fine. There were zero problems with that officiating. And they they stand behind the reason, the dumb reason, because it's a judgment call for pass interference. Because you can't really technically, I guess, grade that. Like, you can tell it's holding or not holding, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or, I guess, false start or offside. Those are actual things you can see. Because you, you can actually, oh, he was offsides. Maybe holding, but P.I., I guess, they're standing oh, that's behind. So, that's so lame. Well, At least, you know, Rams call. fans, you don't have to really? worry about that this week. They're probably not going to, well, fingers crossed, they're not going to draw that many penalties. And, you know, if you paid attention to last week's New Mexico game, you already know a little bit about what Abilene Christian can offer, which I think kind of makes the Wildcats a bad matchup against this Rams defense because we know that they're able to force turnovers. You know, we saw Kevin Nutt, you know, with two interceptions last week, and we saw them, you know, force a handful of turnovers against Oregon State the week before. And... You know, New Mexico, after a shaky start last week, pretty much shut down this offense. They ended up throwing the ball a lot, but without a lot of success. You know, their quarterback, Dallas Seeley, only ended up with 240 yards passing. And I think that with as opportunistic as the Rams' secondary has been so far, this is the kind of game where, you know, if the offense comes out and fires on all cylinders, which I kind of expect them to do, the defense could make this a game that gets out of hand pretty early. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, the offense getting back to what they did against Oregon State. Just slinging it, running, throwing it. There should be no challenge. Like This defense is miles ahead of New Mexico. And maybe Christian mm-hmm. can go downfield a little bit because that is one weakness of the Rams' defense. But th- this should be no contest. And it's, again, it's on the Mountain West Network, our website, 130... 130- Local kick. Let's move on to the final FCS game because we got a couple. Gardner Webb at Wyoming. It's a 2 p.m. local kick on formerly Root Sports, AT&T Sports Net. So, let me, so folks, um, last year here you California, were able to yes. Matt, stream those Root Sports games, correct? No word if that's the case this year because the way it worked last year, because this is technically 
AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain region. It's a mouthful, but that's what it's called officially. It's basically Root Sports. Um, they're all changed except for the Northwest one. So what you can do last year, like you're in an area where you don't get this channel on your sport on your if you had a pay TV package, but you could stream it. However, for me, I could watch on my television, but if I didn't have any re- regional sports networks at all, mm, I yes. cannot stream it because I'm in the footprint of that network. Does that make sense? So like I'm in the Rocky Mountain region. If I have the channel or not, I cannot stream, but if you're outside the footprint, you can stream. So last year you can go to the Mountain West website and figure this out and watch it. This year they're not, I inquired with the league, no response. So, I don't know. Check, find out. We'll know too on Saturday, I guess. But if you have the channel, AT&T Sportsnet, let me ask you this. Um, Gardner Webb's playing in Wyoming. Wyoming should win. Should it be a problem? Was there too much like hype on Josh Allen? I mean, I know that we talked about this last year that they might be good. Recap podcast a few days ago. I mean, and I've had some time to think about it. And you know, you could make the argument for that, but I think that you know there's no denying his raw tools which i think if you are if you have confidence in an nfl staff to you know mold a quarterback into form you know you start with raw tools like allen possesses and so i think what was most disappointing about last week's result was the fact that as you pointed out they didn't really have many opportunities to go down the field and when the game was forced onto his shoulders especially late in the second half you know, kind of like he did in the Nebraska game the year before, he just wasn't up to the task. So, or BYU, or San Diego State, well, or Eastern. Yes Michigan. and no, but I mean, I think in this game, what you want to see is, you know, first and foremost, will they have a running game that helps them out? Because you know, you and I both talked extensively about the fact that Iowa's front seven was basically able to shut down this new three-headed attack. So. You know, the biggest thing I'm looking for as a Cowboys observer is, you know, are Milo Street and Kellen Overstreet going to be able to, excuse me, Milo Hall, rather, and Kellen Overstreet, are they going to be able to get on track? Because if they can, this isn't a Gardner-Webb team that's very good. You know, they have some pieces that may be able to threaten on offense a little bit. But, you know, they got steamrolled by a pretty solid North Carolina A&T Game, uh, team last week you know they lost 45 to 3 and they gave up like 450 yards of total offense and you know Wyoming is obviously a step up from that so I think he's gonna have more opportunities to show what he can do than he did last week and I think that you know as disappointing as last week was I think he's gonna make enough plays for optimists to be encouraged going forward I think it was well my main thing was just Iowa replaced their second two a couple of their secondary players from last year but there's no downfield threat either and I, I made a point like like I don't think I was far off people were saying oh let's see how good he does there's obvious intrigue of what Allen could do or not do but I said it throughout the offseason like like my bold I'll say it probably a couple of times bold prediction they might not make a bowl game partly because but when you lose your best receiver your best offensive lineman your best running back ever you're going to struggle. I don't care if you have Tom Brady back there, whoever your quarterback is going to be, somebody who's a superstar. If you don't, if you lose your best players, you're going to, it's going to be tough. And he, he made good throws versus Iowa, but 
I think it was more of the offense. Not like it's kind of cut both ways. Yeah, he struggled to make a few plays here and there, but then again, he avoids the sack. He finds some good throws, but look at the offensive coordinator play con. They're not allowing him to go downfield against anybody, or at least one week, I should say. So it's hard to tell, but they're going sideline to sideline and not down the field. And so there's that a bit of it as well, but they're going to win. I just want to see it because your running game get better. Well, I mean, and let's not Josh forget Allen, too that the defense, back, and that all things considered, played pretty well last week. You know, they forced four Iowa fumbles, and it was mostly a matter of, as we yeah. discussed, the offense just not being able to take advantage of those opportunities. And so for as, as rough as Gardner-Webb's defense looked last week, you know, their offense only... I'm trying to look up what they had. They, only, they averaged basically two yards per play last week against North Carolina A&T. So, you know, yeah. look for this defense to have a field day. Like, if I'm setting the bar anywhere, I'm kind of looking for performance pretty similar to what Air Force was able to do against VMI last weekend. So, should be an easy win. Should be a pretty good afternoon for Wyoming fans. I agree with you. It's just you want to see them play well, and they'll they'll be fine. And like I said before, the defense is the best unit on this team. Right. I mean, I'll, until it proves otherwise, I don't see why that's not the case. Yes. All right, we're ready for some FBS games. So we're going in. Um, uh, I'm going to order no, on our website, but I'm pretty sure. Do you have that thing. in front of you? <laughs> okay. Close. Hawaii at UCLA. I didn't know if you had that or not. That's where we're going. Hawaii, UCLA, 2 p.m. Pacific, Pac-12 Network. So, hey, take advantage of our Sling TV offer in the show notes if you want a free trial for a week. Help us out, and you can watch this game. I tested it out last week, CU, CSU. Hmm. Pac-12 Network's underrated, man. They do some good stuff. So if you don't have the game, get the network. You have um, Hulu. It's not on Hulu, is it? I forget. We discussed this. Uh, it's Osfubu so, yes. TV and Sling that has it, correct? Because we went all throw this. Just go to Sling TV, get our offer for a week and test it out. So that's the game. It's two Pacific time. Hawaii at UCLA. If you saw what happened, here's the thing: UCLA made a huge comeback versus uh, Texas A&M on Sunday. I well, don't know if I mean, UCLA is really that good. Four to ten. So yeah, you could make the argument that. Be- the Texas A&M lost that game more than more than what? And I mean, <laughs> but they also if, came back down forty four to ten. What I'm really interested in from last week's game is the fact that you know Texas A&M when they were winning that game, it was because they were running the football. And if if I'm Hawaii, and I have you know a, a, now that I know that I have a one two punch in the backfield with Diosmi St. Just and Ryan Tuiasoa. You know, I'm going to lean on those guys as much as I possibly can because, you know, for as good as Drew Brown has been, you know, I think that there's a vulnerability in this UCLA defense to exploit. Well, there is. And part of the reason they came back, Texas A&M had to go to a true freshman quarterback. So that doesn't help either. And John Ursur is going to be better than any true freshman out there. I don't care how good they are. Or not John Ursur, sorry. Um, Drew Brown. Or what am I getting at? Uh, <laughs> Drew Brown, sorry. Yeah. I'm typing in John Ursur to see if he's at playing this week because he had a foot injury. Sorry, I'm like, wait, that's not right. <laughs> Typing and talking is not my friend. But like, they, that's the reason they came back. Part of the reason. And UCLA, you got Josh Rosen. He's 
in that same category as Josh Allen as a top pick at NFL draft potentially. And I watched a good amount of that game. Yeah, they were down big. Like you said, running game should be, take advantage of. But here's the thing. If John Ursur is healthy, I'm checking on it right now. He's listed at the top of the depth chart, so hopefully that's the case. If he's healthy and, and like I said, the running game, what they have, this Maybe. is a sneaky game where there could be potential upset happening. However... Go to the I mean, UMass game and maybe otherwise is, is that's a never dumb pick for me easy, to make. Especially for a team like Hawaii in this first month where it seems like they've been all over the world. Um, and and obviously going to Pasadena is well, UMass probably back. not half the distance of going to Amherst, Massachusetts. But that well, might I mean, be I the closest that, road game for them in the One thing they're going to have to watch out for, which is you know bit them a little bit in the early going is they've had a lot of penalties you know if you look at the national rankings you know yes they played two games and only a handful of teams have played two games so far but they have 20 penalties and they've racked up almost 200 yards in penalty yardage and you know if you watched that game against massachusetts you saw that you know those early mistakes nearly cost them in the end they really had to kind of hang on for that win and, you know, UCLA is the kind of team where you're not going to be able to make a lot of mistakes, you know, especially if you get momentum on offense. You don't want to be caught with a holding penalty and kind of, you know, force yourself into more obvious passing situations. And it's not like the the most obvious path to victory, which is leaning on your running game, is going to be that easy either because... You know, UCLA's got two guys up front in Jacob Tuiati Mariner and Matt Dickerson who are pretty good in their own right. And they combined for, like, what, two and a half tackles for loss, a sack and a half last week against Texas A&M. Those two are going to be able to disrupt every so often. But you're going to have to find some kind of consistency and you're going to have to avoid mistakes if you want to survive this game. Here's one thing, too, to watch as well, exactly. I'm looking at a couple of notes here. Um, so you got John Ursura. This is crazy. Um, college football lead, leading receiving yards. Ursura, Ursura, sorry, Ursura missed the, um, obviously, game two. Or game two. He's still second in the country. I guess most people played one game. Huh. But Caleb Wilson had 208 yards in that, that game. That is a there. really good question. Who's going to guard him for Hawaii? Because... That's something for them to look out for. Because Hawaii has a decent secondary. It's not they have some they have some players back there. But that's I don't care. Two hundred yards. But if you look who number one is, out of Brenham in three hundred and five total receiving yards, and he lit up Hawaii when Yeah, they and I mean obviously week, whatever you, know, you want to call that open. Statistics weekend. are skewed because there's only three teams in the conference that have played two games so far. But I think you do have to pay attention to the fact that Hawaii's also given up mm-hmm. nine plays of more than twenty yards. And not all of that had to do with UMass. You know, some of that had to do with, you know, giving up a couple of chunk plays to Western Carolina last week. So if I'm Josh Rosen, yeah, we know that there's some talent in the secondary. But, you know, they're going to need to play their A game in order to survive a quarterback of Rosen's caliber. Exactly. Yeah, he had almost 500 yards. And one thing I just interested to note as well, not that it matters too much this game, but it's kind of big picture. This is his third offensive coordinator in as many years at UCLA with Jed Fish there. 
So we'll see if that because yeah, I just noticed something here. It's kind of a quote he mentioned about how he's trying to get more comfort level between the two of them being on the same page for what type of plays they like to call or what works well. So I don't expect Hawaii to win this game because they are 23-point underdogs. I think that's a bit too much. Because here's the thing, like, Texas A&M is in rare November form where they're terrible. Usually they're the opposite. They're usually amazing at the beginning of the season with uh, Kenny Heisman or whatever, whatever you want to call him, Kenny Hill a couple years ago, being up on South Carolina. They always do great in September. Then they fade away, fade away, fade away. But like you said, they were down 44-10, came back to win. So, like, what UCLA team is going to show up? Like, are they going to overlook Hawaii at all? Or because, I don't know, they get one day less – preparedness or rest because they played that Sunday evening game and that doesn't matter it's a home both are back-to-back home games so it's not a huge deal I think Hawaii put a scare to them but I think UCLA yeah I mean I think with Josh Rosen and everybody Hawaii's upset bid is really going to hinge on whether the linebackers can play out of their minds and I'm not talking about just Delani Tavai who by the way has had two very good games so far he's got I believe 23 tackles in two games which is pretty good but, you know, Solomon Matad Utia had the interception for a touchdown yes. against UMass. And, you know, the, those two guys, if they can play big, if they can be all over the field, they can give this defense a fighting chance. It's really going to come down to whether they can avoid giving up a lot of big plays. And even if they can, you know, if they can run the football too, I think that also gives them a fighting chance. I don't know if it's going to be enough to win this game. They should be able to cover. Tw- are we going twenty three or twenty three and a half? Because I saw it at twenty three and a half. Are they going to? Do you... uh, I don't know. I was told I should use a different website than Vegas Insider because they sometimes make up their lines a little bit. I'll go what I'm looking off on ESPN, and it says 23 and a half. I think, I think UCLA is going to win this game. But I think Hawaii has proven enough, especially in how they play on the road in the last couple of years, to make it more competitive than probably a lot of Bruins fans think it's going to be. So I, I'll get, hey, I'll give you twenty three because I'm looking at the detail, the multiple books on Vegas Insider. More have twenty three than twenty three and a half. So if you want twenty three, you can take it. Okay, well, I would take Hawaii plus twenty three, but I would take UCLA to probably win this game. Let's say thirty eight seventeen. That sounds about right. So do you know um, how we love Nick Rolovich? Yes. Did you see his tweet about? this game not being a vacation or something yeah you see it ucla thought they were being clever yeah but no. he out clevered them by saying oh no it's i need to return my disneyland pass or something <laughs> that was pretty good he's, he's the best he's it's it's i mean he's like it's not dang it I better cancel his disneyland passes that's exactly what he said it's uh that's why he, that's why he brings elvis uh to media day right that's yeah. why he does it so what do you got in this game Oh, I gotta give a score. I say um, forty to twenty-four UCLA. Forty to twenty-four. All right, let's move so on. Uh, what did striking distance, right? Yeah. All right, next game. Oh, let me go to my correct schedule here. We have. Oh crap! It's not loading. What's what game's next? My oh, there we go. Fresno State to Alabama. We want Bama. <laughs> you sure? Uh, well, we have no choice at this point. 
Exactly. You get Bama. You don't want Bama. You get Bama. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, um, local time there. It's Central kickoff, so it's a what twelve thirty Pacific time. ESPN two, Fresno at Alabama. Jeez, um, you know what's kind of interesting in this game? Like we'll get to some players. Everybody knows Jalen Hurts and stuff like that. Alabama's lost two starting linebackers. Not that's going to matter in this game too much. But two things that stand out to me in this game: the forty-five point line. Is it still 45? Uh, I checked earlier, and it was at 44. So unless it moved even more, I wouldn't... It was 43 and a half. It moved slightly to 44. Okay, well, it's right in that range. So let me ask you this, because based off what happened last week versus Howard and UNLV, what would you think would be more likely to happen? Because that's the same point spread. Uh, If I were to give you who's going to win, Fresno or Howard, what would you have taken? I would have taken... Obviously, I would have taken Howard. Okay, I just want to say that's still the same, almost half a hundred point difference. I mean, Alabama is the number one team in the country for a reason, but they're not without their flaws. And that's what makes, that's where most of the intrigue in this game, I think, is going to come from. You know, you already mentioned the fact that they're going to be down two of their starting linebackers, Christian Miller and Terrell Lewis. And, you know, from what I've been reading, you know, they've got guys who are going to be able to step in to replace them. You might see, you know, a true freshman like Dylan Moses, who, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, he wasn't he like the number one defensive recruit in the country this past year? It'd be a good guess if it's not right. <laughs> but, I mean, they've, they've got, they, we could just say he's one of the best because he went to Alabama. But, you know, they've got, you know, someone like him who can step in. You know, they have, you know, Sean Dion Hamilton who by the way, was the SEC Defensive Player of the Week last week at linebacker in the middle. You know, Rashawn Evans could move from the weak side to the strong side. So they have options back there. It's going to be really tough for Fresno State to move the ball. And they're Not if you ask Nick Saban. He loves what Jeff... He'd love Jeff Tedford's offense, apparently. Well, (laughs) I mean, he's probably being a little too nice. But, you know, to me, this game is going to come down to mistake-free football. And when I say that, I'm mostly referring to Chase and Virgil. Because in last week's game, you know, by the box score, he was okay. But he missed several opportunities at touchdowns in the end zone. You know, he underthrew a couple of guys. You know, one of them ended up being a big play anyway. But it should have been six. You know, there were two other passes in the end zone where he just threw one behind the dude threw another pass at Darian Grimm's feet just wasn't as accurate as he needed to be and he's going to have to be if they want to be able to stay alive against this Bama defense because you know the running game is probably going to have even more trouble getting going than it did last week they did run for 200 yards against Incarnate Word but you know the run blocking was a little inconsistent along that line Ronnie Rivers still listed as a starter but I'm not honestly expecting him to do too much to me it's going to come down to Virgil and you know whether he can make enough big plays with his receivers because we know Keyshawn Johnson's pretty good I think he's going to be able to make a couple plays against this Alabama defense it's the other guys I'm not so sure about you know Darian Grimm, Jameer Jordan you know Jordan's going to be fine but they're going to need to find ways to get him in space and then Damari Scott who 
I've never been too high on, but you know he's listed as a starter, so they're going to need those guys to make plays. So who's going to, like, what, are they going to, I haven't checked, I should check the depth chart right now, but are they going to have their true freshman running the ball? Oh, yeah. As number one guy, Ronnie Rivers, you yeah, think so? Yeah, Rivers is For still sure. atop the depth chart. Hokett's probably your short down back because he did have a couple of one-yard touchdown runs last Saturday. You know, Deontay O'Neal. And he has 50 pounds on Rivers. Yeah, and then Deontay O'Neal is kind of your change-up back who, you know, sprolls in, if you will. So, I mean, I think between those three guys, you might be able to find a play here or there, but it's going to be really tough sledding against this front four, which probably has two future guys that are going to be playing on Sundays in a year or two. To me, the bigger question and where this game could get really interesting is Fresno State's secondary versus Alabama's receivers because... Yeah, they won their game last week against Florida State pretty comfortably. But if you look at what Hertz actually did, he wasn't that great. Like he didn't he threw for less than 100 yards. He completed about 55% of his passes. He didn't have that many opportunities. He only threw 18 passes last week. But, you know, you look at who they have in their starting lineup. We know Calvin Ridley's a keeper. But who else do they have that's going to threaten a secondary that has three new starters in it? And to me, that's where the game gets really intriguing. Because if they can keep that passing game in check, then it comes down to stopping Bo Scarborough. And if you can slow Scarborough a little bit, like if the defensive line can continue to be as revitalized as it looked a week ago, who knows, you know? Yeah, with this, I think with the reason it passes much, because I noticed that too, when they had, they've gone through, what, three, or this is their third offensive coordinator in, what, four games, essentially, going back to Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, and now the guy they brought in, for, who was it, the Patriots, tight end coach or something? Brian Dable. Whoever's running their offense. Yeah, Brian Dable. I just know NFL dude. But it hurts, like, he was going deep downfield last year. I remember talking to our, the guys over at Roll Bam Roll. Yeah, they're going downfield. They're going to chuck it downfield. They're throwing downfield. You'd think... Versus Florida State, they might try to do that, but Hurts is—he's—I don't know—was I think he was somehow his first team All SEC quarterback. He does okay. He runs the ball pretty well at fifty-five yards, but I expect him to probably open up the playbook a little bit more to just let him try some stuff downfield. Because who knows? Maybe it's Nick Saban make the play play calling because Lane Kiffin did what he wanted. He would throw downfield. He's less conservative than Nick Saban. But if they run the ball, like Najee Harris, the number one running back from last year in the country, only had three carries and five yards. They have they could basically go four deep when you count Hurts in the running game as well. I don't think they'll need to throw, but I expect them probably to take some shots just to see what happens with the offense every now and then. But it's, whatever they do, they're probably going to be successful. But you would think they'd want to try to throw the ball and say, hey, we can beat your new guys back there and just go up 14-0 to in the first five minutes. Hopefully that's not the case, yeah, I mean, but it, even with new starters for Fresno back there, I think the passing game is where maybe if they get some pressure, there could be some success because it's not elite compared to like their running game. I mean, I also think what will help Fresno's, you know, admittedly very remote upset chances is that on defense, they were much improved in tackling as well if, on Saturday. And I'm not just talking about the guys up front. Like, even the, the guys in the secondary were much more sound in their technique and actually, like, wrapping up as opposed to trying to hit guys with their shoulders all the time. So, 
you know, I think if, if I'm looking for an X factor, I'm really interested in seeing whether Jeffrey Allison can bring his A game because he had a couple of hits last week against Incarnate Word that, you know, people were like ooing in the press box <laughs> at how hard he was hitting a couple of dudes here and there. And they're probably going to need him to be able to lay a similar amount of wood on someone like Scarborough at some point to kind of set the tone for this game. And, you know, in the same way that Virgil's going to have to play mistake-free on offense, you know, Fresno State had chances for even more turnovers on defense last week that they just missed. You know, I'm remembering in particular the Johnny Johnson, who overall had a pretty good game in his first game as a Bulldog, but there was an interception that he dropped. And, you know, there was one that Jaron Bryant defended pretty well, and, you know, he almost had an interception as well. So, so what's they, your final score outcome then? What do you I, was gonna, I was just going to wrap up and say, you know, if they have those opportunities, they're okay. going to have to take advantage of them in a similar kind of way. Obviously, I don't think it's going to happen that way. I'm fully expecting Alabama to win this game. For how the offense looked last week, though, 44 points strikes me as a little high. I'm just going to say, I don't know, 42 to 10. 42 to 10. Yeah. I will say um, I'll go 35-10. All right. All right, next game against a, a big, well, I'll say formerly big-time opponent or team. San Jose State travels to Austin to take on the good old Texas Longhorns. The LOL horns, you mean? <laughs> Todd Orlando is a funny guy. He's hilarious. But real quick, this game, 1230 Pacific. It's all Longhorn Network, so if you get the channel, you're a better person than I am because I can't get the channel because I don't want to shell out the extra bucks for a sports pack, which I may or may not get on DirecTV. But so what do we, what do you think about – so we ta- start with Todd, Todd Orlando's comment then? We might, as, brought it up. we might as well because it's really funny. So – Oh, shoot, I had it in front of me. I got all these packed full of retweets. What, was it something about cha- – oh, here it is. Texas defensive, coordinator, or te- Texas defensive coordinator Todd Orlando, former Utah State D.C., if you don't remember, folks. This ball game is going to show everybody in the country if Texas has the grit to win a championship. Huh? They're playing San Jose State. That's what I said exactly when I retweeted this. And so it's like – what what okay? What would it take for people to say they're a championship team if they beat San Jose State by a hundred? They go Georgia Tech Cumberland in this game. What's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> honestly, I wouldn't bet on Texas to do anything. It's <laughs> kind of hilarious for for multiple reasons, not least of which is the fact that they just lost to Maryland. And might be a little bit of a team in transition. Well, also, here's a couple things. New head coach, mm-hmm. obviously, Herman. Um, starting quarterback may not play this weekend. I saw that. They might be starting yeah, a true freshman. Sam El- Ellinger is prepping for this game due to an injury to uh, Shane Buchle. Buchle? I believe it's Buchle. Buchel. Okay. What a, I, I get three chances and they're all wrong. <laughs> he 
He's resting with, I believe it was a uh, shoulder injury, I want to say. Yeah, he, he, hasn't, bruised, he hasn't practiced at all this shoulder. week. Yeah, he today was technically listed rest. Um, Tim Beck didn't rule him, rule him out. However, honestly, you're playing San Jose State. Sorry, Spartans, but if you don't need your starting quarterback, it's okay. However, playing a true freshman, it's never easy to do so because it's a true freshman. It's like, like look what happened in Texas A&M UCLA. We just talked about true freshman comes in midway. They get, they can't hold it together. They change a completely different game plan. Go uber conservative and to try to milk that big lead against the uh, Bruins. And look what happened. The Aggies lose. Hey, you know what? It wasn't, this is, it wasn't the quarterback yeah. that gave up eight yards of play to Maryland. There's that too. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah. it is kind of an interesting conceit because, you know, we've talked about the fact that, you know, San Jose State has some pretty talented pieces on this defense. It was just a matter of seeing whether or not they were, as units were going to be able to come together. And I think last week we saw a little bit that, yeah, Cal Poly we know is a run-heavy team, but they were able to handle that pretty well. So if Texas has a similar kind of shift towards, you know, being more conservative, you know, if they lean more on their run game, the question becomes, you know, are they going to be able to slow Longhorns down? Because they don't necessarily have a guy like, you know, Deontay Foreman in the backfield this year. No Ricky Williams, no Cedric Benson. Yeah, so if they lean on their running game, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not San Jose State can kind of continue the momentum they had where, yeah, they gave up some big running plays against South Florida in the opener, but they clamped down pretty well last week. And, you know, Texas has a, you know, maybe a decent but not great running attack. Here's the thing about that. They mentioned like just something from the Austin American Statesman's talking about their Never established a running game versus Maryland. They had two preseason injuries, a right tackle and starting tight end or out for I don't know how long, but to change the protection scheme. Not that the Spartans should be able to dominate or the running attack on defensively because that's always been their weakness for however long I can remember. But they, like you said, they can slow down triple option, which is never easy to slow down even against a lower division team. Yeah, Texas has more talent, but if they're still trying to get an offensive line together, they're... Um, like right here, Chris Warren and Kyle Porter combined for six yards, or excuse me, um, fourteen total carries. Not great. And so, what do they get? Like, what are they going to do? Can they? Are they going to slow them down? Maybe, but but here's the thing: if they have a poor running game, or not, well, maybe not poor, but non-explosive running game, not a very good running game, combined out the true freshman. Usually, true freshman, you want to be a little more conservative, hand the ball off through short pass plays, throw to the tight end, which they they don't have their starting tight end anymore. Can San Jose State put a scare into the Longhorns? That leads to another big question because now we know that Josh Love is no longer the starter. Going forward, it's going to be Montel Aaron, who has, I think, acquitted himself pretty well. You know, he didn't, I mean, he basically played out the string against South Florida, but, you know, he came in against Cal Poly last week and, you know, basically turned the offense around and gave them a little bit of efficiency that they lacked when Love was under center. So while it may be a bit much to ask them to be as explosive as Maryland was a week ago, you know, I'm not expecting San Jose State to come out and start averaging eight yards of play 
it would help if they could, but I'm not expecting it, you know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but I mean, I think one thing that might help their cause is the fact that, you know, when Aaron was under center, I think they've been a little less turnover prone. You know, they played two games and turned the ball over five times. You know, and if they can kind of turn it around in that regard, if they can continue forcing turnovers, which they've had three so far that they've forced, um, you know, with a conservative game plan and an offense that can do just enough to take advantage of opportunities given to them, you know, if you're looking for an upset this week, this isn't a bad place to start looking for it. Is this your stupid upset pick? Are we going to wait? hold off on that? Well, I'll hold off on that, but I want to see if you have anything else to, to add to that. Uh, one last note, reading over, because we had uh, Anna, Anna, excuse me, Anna at the uh, press conference this week, and she asked a bunch of questions to Coach Brennan. One interesting thing that he actually answered, honestly, I believe here, was that uh, a, he's, she asked, like, is there an interesting one-on-one matchup you want to see on this for this game? And he mentioned, uh, for me, it makes sense, wide receiver cornerback, uh, Jermaine Kelly of Texas. Or, sorry, excuse me, no, I apologize. The secondary, Jermaine Kelly and Andrew. What's his name? It's Andrew. Andrew. Um, Sashery now, not Chachery. Sashery. It's it's Sashery. Because we were saying Chachery forever. You included, not just me. Oh, I know. I'm guilty. <laughs> not just me. Hey, I put it out there because I'm always the one who gets the name wrong. He. Um. That, that's probably the best matchup because the secondary is always good. So you. He. That's what he mentioned out there about going up against Texas. Uh, wide receivers versus secondary duo. And that could be a matchup as well if you have a true freshman can't make an accurate pass or just a first career start. It's, it's a big deal. It's tough. And I don't care if you're playing at home or on the road. That's the issue. But also, like I said, you got Montel making his first career start, start on the road. Coach Brennan's first start on the road going to Texas. Texas fans aren't going to be happy. Ha- like, I don't see a victory coming for, for San Jose State by any means, but... Texas has a lot of problems with injuries and just maybe Maryland's better than we thought, but I don't think so. I mean, Maryland had a quarterback who I believe was lost for the eight, the year with an ACL injury um, after the fact. But I mean, I think one other thing you can keep in mind with this game, you know, San Jose State doesn't have any interceptions thus far through two games. But did you know only two teams in the country have more pass defenses without a pass without an interception thus far? They've also played two games though. Yeah, but I mean the point remains the same. You know, they've had chances, they've played the pass pretty well, and they have seven pass breakups as a team. So if you're looking for an upset bid, you know, if a true freshman makes a mistake, San Jose State has the players to make quarterbacks pay for those mistakes. You know, if they can turn some of those pass defenses into interceptions and they could tilt the field in their favor, that's kind of what they did against South Florida. And that was Who, whose offense is without... better, South Florida or Texas? Oh, South Florida for sure. But even then, it took them a little half, while to get going. Yeah, it's the same. And then the second half, there was, I believe, two touchdown drives. That's it, I believe. Not, yeah, not very many. Some... A lot of three and outs in that game. A lot of three and outs. I mean, San Jose State built that lead essentially without an offense that was moving the football. So if Aaron can come in and do more or less what he's done in the first two games so far, and the defense can you know find opportunities to create turnovers, 
you know, if they're if Texas is starting a true freshman quarterback and has a defense that's shown vulnerability thus far, that could be the upset you're looking for this week. So it's a 26-point line. Where are you leaning on this? You know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to make this my stupid upset pick. Oh! Chris would be so proud. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to well, say well, San Jose State wins a very close one. I'm going to say 24-23. So Tom Herman's fired after this week then, you're saying? <laughs> They're going to owe him a lot of money if they do that. <laughs> no kidding. I, I don't see it. I think I think it'd be like thirty to thirteen for Texas. But you still have San Jose State to cover. I think they will because Texas has issues. Spartans look to be better, and it'll be. I think their defense can make some plays against going up against a like we said, two freshmen, a porous running game, losing a couple offensive linemen. They're still trying to figure that out. And Todd Orlando's comments are ridiculous, so that dings him at least a touchdown for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. All right, next game. Toledo at Nevada. It's um, four Pacific, a ESPN3 game, so get your extra device out on the Watch ESPN app or whatever you want to use to get into this game. So Toledo is a um, – first off, are you surprised it's a 10-point favorite for Toledo? I I thought it would be one or two points higher. I suspect some of it has to oh, do with more? the fact that, that Nevada is getting this game at home. So what do you think about because with Nevada we know it's a Ty Gangy the starter officially announced earlier this so I well, technically at the end of the game he kind of alluded to it when we had our guy Pete Elliott there to ask him a question about the game or the quarterback after the game but he made it official earlier in the week but here's the thing about Toledo with um is it Matt Candle their head coach Jason Candle Jason Candle sorry they, they he went to, the other guy went to Iowa State here's the thing even though they have a new quarterback. They don't have Logan. Hold on a second here, folks. Autoplay, I love it. They have a new quarterback, but this offense is just amazing. Toledo's going to. I think Nevada wants to beat Toledo's offense down the road. Is that. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, Toledo doesn't run an air raid like Nevada does, but I think that if you are looking for an explosive offense to emulate, you'd be hard pressed to do it better than Toledo. And you know, what it, it. yeah, because what it comes down to in this game, I think, is the fact that you have one of the group of five's best quarterbacks in Logan Woodside going uh, up. I, against... I might err on that. I thought. Oh, sorry, let me. I made an error. I said he was gone. I don't know why I was thinking. I was thinking of Tulsa's quarterback. Sorry. Oh, you talking? So you were thinking of Dane Evans, right? So yeah, Dane. Sorry, Toledo, Tulsa, Tulsa. Come on, that's close, right? Yeah. So I mean, what this game I think is going to come down to is you know Logan Woodside versus the secondary because while they held their own a little while last week you know when you when you look at what the Wolfpack did against the pass as a defense on the whole you know they gave up over 9 yards per attempt they gave up over a shade over 350 yards they allowed 73% of Northwestern's passes to be completed they weren't that great against the pass last week and they're going to have to be better because not only does Toledo have, you know, a special quarterback in Woodside, but they've got, you know, two guys in John Bay Johnson and Cody Thompson who are among the best receivers in the group of five as well. 
So if I'm looking for this game to hinge on anything, you know, Nevada's defensive backs are going to have to find a way to slow these guys down. You would think with Damian Baber back there, he'd make some plays, but he didn't do much against Iowa. And this is a much better attack than Iowa. You mean or North, not, oh, geez. Northwestern? Northwestern. So. I, I'm getting everything confused today. It's, I apologize. It's just, I'll say this. Here's what I'll, I'll get to something I actually know about. Kareem Hunt is no longer with Toledo. Is that correct? Am I right on that? That is correct. <laughs> so here's here's where this could be a positive a little bit. Well, they have freshman Shakif Seymour who had 102 yards last week on only 11 carries. We both mentioned Nevada's rush defense looked better this week, this past week than they have last year. And going up against a true freshman, if he's their main running back, they've tackled better. Maybe not that you want to force Toledo to throw the ball, but Nevada should be able to, based on one game in Northwestern, three yards of carry is pretty good not to give up. You don't want to make Toledo throw the ball, but you, you obviously don't want Toledo to run and throw like they did last year. Yeah, I mean that. And if you could slow them down in one category, maybe that'll give them a chance to do something to change their game plan where they can attack more to go after Woodside or change their scheme where they know a pass is coming but can still have enough guys up front to stop a running game. Yeah, and I mean, what I want to see from this Nevada defense in that regard is, you know, they held their own, I think, by making plays every so often. They did rack up eight tackles for loss as a unit last week, but they only had one sack, and I think that that lack of a pass rush is, in part, what enabled Northwestern to make their comeback in the fourth quarter. So... If I'm a Wolfpack fan, what I want to see is I want to see Malik Reed start to make an impact. You know, I want to see, you know, Patrick Chuja across from him be those guys who can make those plays. You know, Austin Paulus did have three and a half tackles for loss last week. That's very good. But can he turn those into sacks? Like, can they stop Toledo in more obvious passing downs? Because if they can't, then it's it could be a long afternoon. Here's some other notes that we need to take, uh, I guess, take note in this game. Uh, Caleb Fossum is out with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. He uh, punt return, kick return, and receiver, he's out. So I guess they're going to bring in a secondary a defensive back, uh, Crumbie, to return kicks. They can't lose anybody in the passing game because I know while Gangie's the starter, he completed, what was it, 44% of his passes last week? We figured out. It was, Not good. It was less than ideal, yeah. Yeah, less than ideal. And so, like, Toledo's defense, not great. Because I remember a game last year when they played, uh, who was it, BYU was like, each team scored 60 points. Mm-hmm. So the defense isn't amazing for Toledo. And so maybe if Gagey gets hot, if he gets going, he can find receivers. They could get him to 55% passing. They may get the running game going. Maybe this could be a shootout of a game. But I just don't think Nevada can keep up based off what we've seen after one game. Well, it's, and it's, I think a lot of that's going to come down to Ganji because, you know, like you said, you know, Toledo has a couple of experienced pieces in their backfield, but, you know, they've got, you know, a sophomore in what I was, what I believe is their, you know, their version of like the Aztec position or something like that. I believe they run a 3 3 5, and they have a sophomore, D, uh, Diderolo Blue, running that position. And they have a redshirt freshman in Jordan Williams at strong safety. 
So there's some opportunity there, I think, to take shots down the field and connect on big plays. We know that Nevada is capable of doing that because they had a guy in uh, McLean Mannix who had a 40-yard touchdown last week as a freshman, making his first start. They're going to need a couple of those plays, I think, in order to survive against this offense. So what do you think is going to happen? Are they going to keep it at 10 points? Are they going to keep it close? What do you think? I think Nevada is going to be able to keep it close. I still have questions about whether their defense is going to be able to make enough stops. I think if I had to trust one of these defenses, I would probably trust Toledo's. So I think Nevada is going to make it very interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored, but I think the Rockets are going to be able to survive. So I had this one at like um, 35-31. Ooh, that close. I'm going 30-13 Toledo. I don't trust the offense yet for Nevada, even though it looked okay in the first half. And this is just an offense that's off the charts compared to what they saw last week versus Northwestern. Okay. All right, move on to the next game. Uh, we got to hurry up here. We need to wrap these long. UNLV in Idaho. Oh, boy. Um, Kibbe Dome. It's four Pacific. Rebels are the favorite. Or not the favorite. Excuse me. Rebels are the dog. Was a six-point underdog? Uh, last uh, I checked, it was and six, and six and a half. Six and a half. Six and a half. Um, this is Idaho's last year in FBS football. So if that means anything, it's at the uh, small Kibbe Dome. But they beat Sac State last week. They have um, apparently people like Matt Linehan. Todd McShay puts him as a top 10 quarterback in the 2018 to start a, the year. So there's that. He's a quarterback that's been around a little while. And I think that that counts for something. It does. He did he transfer in from somewhere else? I want to say. I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm trying to check, but my internet I cannot scroll up on this page. But I mean, here's the thing: I want to see you lost to Howard last week. You guys show me some rebels. Show me anything. Like not only is this a revenge game for the rebels, because let's not forget they lost to the Vandals last year in a game they probably should have won. But no team, I think, in the conference needs a win more than UNLV does, especially after last week. And I think, you know, in the same way that we talked about it in the kind of the autopsy of the loss, it's going to come down to whether this defense can take a step forward because, you know, they've got some talent there. It just didn't show up last week. And especially when it comes to stopping the run, that's not really something that Idaho is known for. And so if I'm counting on something, I'm counting on their ability to improve upon that. So what do you want to see from them this week then on the, on offense? Well, I mean, on offense, I kind of want to see more of the same because the offense wasn't the problem last week. Armani Rogers had a very good game in his first game as a starter. Lexington Thomas had more than 100 yards. And while Charles Williams, I don't think, is supposed to play this week uh, because he went down with an injury last week against Howard, Xavier Campbell, we know, can play. He's a very good player in his own right. So the offense, to me, isn't the question. I think they're going to be able to move the ball against the Vandals. But if they can't stop them at all, it's not going to matter. I think they can't settle for field goals because weren't three of their first four possessions field goals, I believe? It was. That's and that's a big yeah. thing. And that was kind of a big theme in a lot of games last weekend is just teams not taking advantage of all the opportunities that they had. And, you know, obviously 
Idaho's Idaho's defense is not great. You know, they did manage four sacks last week, but you know, we know that UNLV's got a very good offensive line. To me, I think it's just like I said, can you stop them, especially on the ground? Because you know, Idaho had two hundred yards last week. They averaged four and a half yards per carry. But I mean, in this kind of situation, you can throw the numbers out the window because I just want to see something from this defense. I do too, because Idaho's offense, they can move the ball a little bit, but I I, I want to say UNLV's going to come back and get a victory because, they're all, like I said, offense wasn't a problem. Don't settle for field goals, and that would be the difference in the game. I want to see, like, can Mike Hughes make a play? Can Jericho Flowers make a play? Anybody make a play on the defense? I, I think the offense will be fine, but I'm thinking this could be like a shootout, a lot of points in this game. And... I'm gonna I, I'm gonna pick UNLV to get to victory, and I'm the, I'm, I'm gonna go thirty five thirty for the Rebels. Okay. What do you have? Oh man, I don't know. I feel like we're underestimating Idaho a little bit. I gave him thirty points. You gave him thirty <laughs> points. That's true. <laughs> I have the score a little bit higher. And, you know, as after last week, I can't help but feel pessimistic. I feel like UNLV has to prove something to me. But I don't know that Idaho's the team they're, they're going to be able to do it against. So I have Idaho winning this game 38-35. Oh. What did you have in the preseason? Did you have Idaho winning this game or did you have UNLV winning this game? I had UNLV winning this game in the preseason. But I they're did not, not realize. They're not making I, a bowl game. I did not realize that the defensive struggles would be as extensive as they looked last week. Oh, man. If they lose this game, there's no way they're making a bowl game. No. If they lose this game, who they, not to get too far ahead, but their next winnable game is San Jose State, and that might be it. Let's not get, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We're not. I'm just looking at. I'm, I saw scroll scrolling through the schedule. I got Ohio State the week after, two weeks down the road. All right, so let's move along here. We got New Mexico, New Mexico State, the uh, Rio Grande rivalry on Facebook, which also means it's on our website. So check that out or our Facebook page. You got Lobos and um, Aggies. Aggies, um, they look pretty good versus Arizona State. Took them a while, but they started threatening in the second half and nearly stole that one from the Sun Devils. They had, if I'm correct, seven sacks in that game? They did. And they only had 11 the year before. Yeah, that's true. They, they had not been known as being, you know, they had not been known for their pass rush. But I think that what ultimately kind of did them in last week was the fact that they gave up a lot of plays through the air. And that, I think, kind of makes this game really interesting if I'm New Mexico because... You know, they talked a lot about we're going to throw the ball a little bit more. And last week, you know, Abilene Christian, of course, is no great shakes, but Lamar Jordan looked pretty good throwing the football last week. And we know that, you know, the Lobos are going to be able to get their yards on the ground, but if they can have that big play element in the same way that they did last week, you know, this was a game that they probably should not have won or not have lost rather last year. And if you know if they can look as efficient as they did on 
you know, both dimensions of the offense, this could be a really long game for the Aggies. I'm thinking this is going to be like it normally is where it comes down to the wire. You think so? Well, you got, like, look how well Tyler Rogers threw the ball. He had nearly 400 yards. He was efficient. Yeah, two picks, but still completed all basically two thirds of his passes. He run, and then yeah, like look at the running attack with uh, Jason Huntley and then also um, Larry Rose. Mm-hmm. Those guys can run the ball as well. And New Mexico's defense has been not very good, to be nice. And they're not expected to be better this year than last year. So I'm expecting similar to maybe like the Air Force game last year where it's a lot of points. I think it'll be back and forth, and basically whoever makes a play defensively will win the game. And maybe that's New Mexico State because they picked um, they, well, maybe not. Besides the sacks, they didn't really get to Manny Wilkins or anybody at quarterback in the interceptions. They got a, um, what, no turnovers in that game, if I'm correct at looking at this. But they did sack, seven, seven sacks, 14 TFLs. Are they going to be able to slow down Lamar Jordan, Richard McCorley, Tyron Owen, whoever's running the ball? Are they going to have that same success? Maybe. I'm thinking I wouldn't be surprised if the Aggies win, but I think New Mexico will take care of business, but it'll be a close game where whoever makes maybe that one or two defensive play will be the difference here's the question I have and I think that this is kind of the X factor for this game are they going to be able to slow down Tyler Rogers because if you look at what he's done you know he started against New Mexico three times in the past in 2014 it was a close loss for New Mexico State you know he had over 300 yards he completed nearly 70% of his passes Two touchdowns, two interceptions. So he had a pretty good game all around, considering it was his first year as a starter. In his second year as a starter, they lost that game too, and it was probably his worst game of the year. You know, 50% completions, just over 100 yards, under, you know, four and a half yards per attempt. So not great. And then last year, he rebounded a little bit, was kind of in control of his game, and they kind of stole that win from the Lobos. But what I'm interested in is the fact that last week, you know, yes, they had a lot of sacks, but they also gave up a lot of sacks. They had six sacks allowed against Arizona State last week. So if I'm New Mexico, what I want to see is whether they can generate a pass rush because against Abilene Christian, you know, they threw the ball over 40 times, but they only managed two sacks and that many dropbacks. If they can take a step forward in that regard, you know, if they can slow down that passing game, that I think is what gives the Lobos the best chance to win and make it a pretty lopsided win. I'm expecting it to be relatively close. But I think that New Mexico's offense is going to be good enough to put this game away. It might be, but there's also a reason it's a 71-point over-under. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be glamorous. It's, to me, <laughs> the kind of the kind of thing where at some point New Mexico is going to get like a 14-point lead. And then both of these teams are probably going to trade a few touchdowns after that. But I'm expecting New Mexico not only to win, but to cover a seven-point spread. So if you're asking me for a score, I would say it's going to be Lobos, you know, 35-24. I'm going 38-35 Lobos. All right. So you want to know an interesting fact? I'm looking at the ticket options for this game. Okay. It's it's thirty five bucks to go to this game. However, if you really want to, you can pay three dollars to see San Jose State in Texas, 
or six dollars Fresno State Alabama. Ooh. Or four dollars Idaho State Utah State. Interesting. Just a just a thought. All right, next game: uh, Boise State at Washington State. Number number twenty, 20 Washington, Washington State. Yeah, that's right uh, on ESPN. Um, Washington State's a ten point favorite. Um, does Boise State have a quarterback issue at all? No. No. Why do you say that? I mean, I think Brett Ripon has enough of a track record where we shouldn't freak out over one game. And, you know, I'll just kind of reiterate what I said in our recap podcast. Maybe everybody was underrating Troy's defense. It's probably pretty good this year. And, you know, are we certain that Washington State is going to be that same caliber of defense? I'm not sure. Well... I'm just concerned. Like I know we discussed it before. Like Brett Ripon saying the right thing. Like oh, I'd I'd feel the pressure anyways if I was a starter or not, or if uh, Cozart was here or not. I'm just the amount of plays Cozart was in the game was concerning to me a little bit. And then also the offense, not necessarily a Ripon or Cozart thing, but it was a stop and start offense. Penalty here, good play here. It seemed to move smoother with Cozart. Not sure why he got touched. The one touchdown pass came from him, but there was a lot of times where I oh, got a false start, you got a penalty, you got a negative play. It seemed to there was no consistency with his offense. It was uh, always uh, make a good play, two good plays, one bad play, three good plays, three bad plays. I honestly see it be more more efficient. You know what I think some of it is, and I just thought of this, but I think that it's true. It isn't that often that we see Boise playing these kind of knockdown, drag them out fights. Like they don't get into that many defensive slugfests. So when the offense is slowed down, I think it kind of obscures, you know, for instance, in this particular game against Troy, just how good the defense was, for instance. And so, you know, when you're transitioning to a game against, yeah, Washington State team is going to be pretty good. You know, I'm still not expecting their defense to be that great. And so I think that the offense is going to look better this week than it did last week. It's just that we're not used to seeing it so often. I, I'm not sure because last year's game was pretty close. And we haven't even mentioned Luke Falk once yet. He's a pretty well, yeah, good quarterback, yeah. right? Last year, though, Boise State scored 31 points against this team. It was 31-28. And they played close games last year. But, you know, nothing that was in the caliber of, you know, the offense struggles, but the defense thrives. I mean, if you go back in the last few years, can you think of a game that felt like that, that Boise State actually won? Because more often than not, when the offense has struggled, it's been because Brett Rippon's forced a lot of turnovers. You know, you think about the Air Force losses in the last couple of years, or the New Mexico loss a couple of years ago. They haven't really had many of those games where the offense has struggled. Like, I think the last best one, and it's not even a one-to-one analog, I don't think, is the, 24 title, the 2014 title game against Fresno State. Because it took them a little while to get going, and they... You know, had the Bulldogs offense in check most of the game, ended up winning it pretty comfortably. You know, that was three years ago. So I don't think it's something you see very often. And that's mostly why I think Brett Ripon is going to be fine because we haven't seen it very often because more often than not, the offense knows how to take care of business. 
They do. I just, I don't know. I just have that's too many plays for Kozart. That's my only thing. Like, and Rippin didn't play well either. And so that's why I keep coming back to like, well, is it really that good? Is it really that bad? It's, I'm just conflicted because usually when they have a quarterback, they're not changing. It's usually they have one guy and it's always been a guy. Like, Joe, even when they, like Joe Southwick and guys like that, like there was always the guy. There's never an issue unless somebody was hurt. Well, and I mean, hasn't Harson basically come out and said one game's not going to influence how we play our quarterbacks either way? It's not, but maybe I wasn't expecting this in the preseason. Maybe that's where I'm coming from, where we knew he was going to play, but we didn't know it'd be that much. It's like it's one thing if he's coming in to be just a change of pace guy. He was in for multiple drives. And to me, I feel if you have a guy that's as good as Rippin, why are you taking arguably your best player off the field for 20 plays? Okay, so you know, beyond the quarterbacks, there was one thing that I forgot to mention in our in our recap that I think is still pretty important now. And that's you know, overlooking the offensive line and just how experienced it was going into that opener. I remember seeing something on Twitter a few days ago where I believe it was Dave Southorn of the Idaho Statesman who had said that going into the opener against Troy as a unit, they had combined for 14 career starts. And they, you know, they lost a lot of experience and they more or less held their own against a very deep and you know tough defense in Troy. So, you know, with the game under their belt and with an experienced quarterback or you know, two quarterbacks, as it were. I'm not really seeing what the problem is going to be. Because, again, Washington State, pretty good, but they're not exactly known as a team that slows a lot of quarterbacks down. There's that. Do you think, one thing I'm checking over at KoogCenter.com, they're calling the Boise State offense boring. Do you think that's accurate? Well, maybe it just looked boring last week, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe it that way, no. Me neither. Like, if you're going off one game, I could see that because, at least on your idea, like Troy's defense, but they were also penalties. Like I said before, stop and start. There's never too many consistencies. And then also, one thing I want to see change as well, Rippin, maybe is what Troy's defense is doing. They had so many underneath throws. Like, they were doing crossing pattern after crossing pattern after crossing pattern. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they are doing that because that's what Troy was giving them. Because we seen Rippin go downfield, but I'm wondering... I'm just thinking that was probably what Troy is allowing them to do. Why not just take what's given to you? But you'd think, on the other side, you have Cedric Wilson, you should be able to force whatever play you want on a passing play with him as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And so that's... I think it's going to be like a close... Yeah, sounds dumb, but it's going to be a close game. Because this is going to be a... Not to say a shootout, but Washington State's known to score points. Boise typically is. You know what's kind of interesting for me? The over-under is only 58 points in this game. 12 less than New Mexico State. New Mexico about to say, or even 12 less than Toledo, Nevada. They're both at 70 plus. I mean, honestly, I feel like we're paying too much attention to the quarterbacks when, at least in my opinion, this game is going to turn on how well Boise can run the football because Washington State has a couple of pretty solid players up front you know especially a guy like Hercules Mata'afa who is an NFL caliber defensive tackle who's going to be in there you know challenging Ryan Wolpin and Alex Madison 
So to me, what I want to see is I want to see Madison be a little more explosive you know, than he was last week. Last week in his debut... Well, he had a 50-yard touchdown run. Yeah, but I mean, beyond that, I think he was mostly held in check. So I want to see a couple mm-hmm. more of those kind of chunk plays because I think if Boise can remain balanced, you know, if they can show their effective running the football in the same way they've been in the last couple of years... You know, that's only going to help Rippin or Cozart, whoever happens to be under center at any given point. Honestly, I feel like most of the controversy about the offense is overblown. I'm expecting Boise to come out with a pretty comfortable win. Comfortable? Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's comfortable. Ten I mean, points or more? I mean, it's probably going to be somewhere between seven and ten points. The line, I believe right now, is Washington State minus ten and a half. But I think we're. I think everybody's underrating Boise a little bit. I have it as, you know, thirty-one twenty-four. I'm gonna go to Boise getting a victory. About the, I'll say the same score as you. Is that okay? Thirty-one twenty-four. I'll allow it. Thank you. And I, I kind of, I'm kind of there with you. Like we'll see quarterback play, but it's gonna be, can Boise run the ball? Can Washington State? Will defender make a play? Because. Also, Washington State normally the past couple of years haven't played well to start the year. Didn't they lose back to back? FCS games they did past two years like was it Easter Washington and uh, Montana yeah they did look pretty good in their opener against Montana State though yeah 31 zip well I got a victory you got a victory and then if they win Boise State will be ranked next week that sounds fair the other big game these two night games are the big games the final one Aztecs going to Tempe take on Arizona State it's going to be 97 to kickoff, and it's a uh, 9 p.m. kickoff there in Arizona. Pretty hot. Yeah, I believe. Or is Arizona on Mountain Time, or do you know what time they're on at the moment? Oh, all I know is that they don't observe daylight savings time, yeah. so make of that what you will. It's either 8 or 9 p.m., and it's almost 100 degrees. Yeah. Hot. Whatever, whatever time it kicks off, it's hot. Um, this is a game where, because Arizona State, they're not really that good. Come on. They might win five, six games if they're lucky. They are 1-0 on the year. And this is the game, like, I, I would equate this to the Cal game last year for San Diego State because Aztecs don't have an abundance of victories over big-time opponents, like Power 5 opponents. They've lost to Stanford. They've lost a few. They lost to Cal at home. They beat or Cal on the road. They beat Cal last year. But as Arizona State team, we already discussed them kind of briefly when they played New Mexico State. They allowed seven sacks against a defense that's probably, no, not probably, is worse than San Diego State's defense. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we're going to say that. So can they get after Manny Wilkins? Can they stop him? Can they sack him seven-plus times in this game? That might still ask him a lot, but I'm going to bet they won't give up 37 points. Well, more so than that. What I would look for as a, as a drastic change is that, you know, you're not going to look at San Diego State. You're not going to see a defense that's going to give you 80% completion rate and over 10 yards per an attempt. You know, if you look at what Manny Wilkins was able to do by quarterback rating, his quarterback rating last week was almost 200. And you're not going to get that out of San Diego State, and you're especially in that secondary where... You know, is it is it fair to say that the kids are all right? I, well, you play an FCS team, so yeah, to be but determined. I mean, 
But I mean, Tariq Thompson in his first career start at the war position played very well. True freshman. And, you know, you, you still have Ron Smith and Trey Lomax who are, and Cameron Kelly, obviously, who are way better than anything that New Mexico State could have thrown out there against the Sun Devils. And, you know, Parker Baldwin in the middle of it kind of directing traffic everywhere. And on offense, you know, the offensive line acquitted itself very well. It was like, you know, the veterans like Nico Siragusa never left. So I'm not... I mean, I'm not seeing where Arizona State is justified in, you know, if you remove the home field advantage three points on the line. Why is why is Arizona State a favorite in this game? I don't understand it. I think it's just the home factor. That's it. Yeah, because when I checked last, it was Arizona State minus three and a half, but I'm just not seeing it. Well, they they play Manny. Here's part of the reason I'm going to guess. They played an FBS team. Mm-hmm. Manny Wilkins looked good. Their running game looked good in a Callan Bollinger at 79 yards a pair, t- pair of touchdowns. Look at the receiving group, like 123 yards for John Humphrey at a touchdown. They had two pass plays of over 50 yards. They made some big plays, but then again, it's New Mexico State, and they are what going to be uh, top third in the and the not WAC, sorry, the uh, Sun Belt. They're not. It's not. It's like New Mexico State and Troy. Are they kind of the same? I'd say Troy's better. Well, yeah, Troy bit. is better. Yeah. And so it's like maybe it could be oh they played a an actual FBS opponent maybe they looked good offensively but their offensive line wasn't very good their defense gave up a lot of points they their defense did pick off Rodgers twice so there's there's good and bad things but I'm just thinking it's home field and it's a Pac-12 team but this is also an Arizona State team I think their um, like the uh, win total was like five and a half maybe mm-hmm. like in the Pac-12 South. They're not better than USC, not better than UCLA, not better than Utah. They, they're fifth or sixth. It's them or Arizona. They're not going to be a team that wins more than – if they get to a bowl game, I'd be surprised. Oh, yeah. And so I'm, I'm thinking – I'm going big here. Should I go big? <laughs> Why not? This is our podcast. You can do whatever you want, man. You're the host of this podcast. 40 to 10, Aztecs are going to win. Oh, wow. That is big. I don't know that it's also that still the that still doesn't meet the over under because it's fifty five. I don't know that it's going to be quite as big, but you know I'll just add one more thing and I'll get my final score. One thing that's going to be really interesting in this game is that we knew coming into last week that they had two redshirt freshmen in the starting lineup: Isaiah Macklin, Tim Wilson. Both of those guys were relatively quiet last week. I believe each of them only had one catch. And it was the sophomore tight end, Cahill Loring, who really kind of stood out. You know, no David Wells, no problem. So if San Diego State can take advantage of this Sun Devil secondary, you know, you're talking about a team that, yes, Tyler Rogers threw the ball a lot last weekend. But, you know, they gave up almost 400 yards passing and he completed almost 70% of his passes. And Chapman is definitely good enough to make plays down the field if his receivers give him opportunities to do so. Even if they don't, though, it's still a run defense that gave up five yards a carry to New Mexico State, and that's something that Rashad Penny can do in his sleep. So I'm not predicting a 30-point victory, but, you know, I'd be okay with 33-13 to 13 San Diego State winning. 
I think this is going to be Christian Chapman's game. That he breaks out. The, I know they have those redshirt freshmen on the receiving goal because we mentioned, kind of surprised, M- M- Michael Holder is battling for the second or third receiver spot at the X spot. Mm-hmm. They have like guys like Tim Wilson, um, redshirt freshman. They also have uh, who else? Is the other redshirt freshman. As you said, Macklin. So that's a big deal. Road game, first time they're playing, second game of real action in their career. And I guess one thing we should mention as well, chicken pox may have strike again. Stricken? Striked? Struck. What's the right tense there? Stru- uh, struck. Okay. I'll get there eventually. That's what, you, that's what you're here for. <laughs> um, you have backup right guard Dominic Godino and then also Andrew Alakai, linebacker. Those guys are questionable to play. May or may not be the chicken pox. I don't think it'll matter that much. You don't think so? Well, no. I mean, we're both projecting 20 and 30 point victories for San Diego State. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. I guess you're uh, you're correct. And I guess Tenic- and yeah, well, we'll see. It's um, Ast- I want Chapman to have a big game and Aztec fans to get off my back. Now they're going to blame me if they lose this game too, right? Is that right? Can I win at all in this matchup? No, probably not. <sighs> All right. Do you have a? You already mentioned your stupid upset pick. You went with uh, San Jose State. I did. Is that right? Yes, I did. I I I made a change. I get a message on our Slack channel just now. Okay. To make me to have a. Did you happen to see that come through? I did not. Okay, it's not a normal channel. So, I well whatever. I got a link regarding Hawaii football. Okay. Injured Hawaii football assistant coach will travel to the ucla game did you know linebacker coach assistant coach sean duggan dislocated his elbow and fractured his wrist last um last week i had heard something to that effect yes i believe it was if i I, I skimming through it when you're chatting one of these at some point earlier celebrated a block kick that was credited to vine vina vine mola during the uh block he collided in midair i guess attempted chest bump going wrong and it doesn't help when your lineman six seven and the helmet contacts duggan <laughs> with him on the sideline motivation will give hawaii the victory over ucla all right then all right and i want to see ursa and uh Dysame st juiced have big games and i've looked around no word on Ursa. he's he is listed on the depth chart but no word if that's a new depth chart or did what Utah State did last year, just kept the same one every week and ticked me off. <laughs> but I, I'm going for it. Bruins are going to lose to Hawaii. All right, then. Anything else we need to add? Because this show is going pretty lengthy. We're already at like 88 minutes, I think. I think we're probably good to go. <laughs> I think we're good as well. So thanks for listening. Check us out, mwcwire.com. Um, go to uh, what we got Facebook, uh, Twitter, Mountain West Wire, that all fun stuff. Um, hey, if you want to take part in our Power Poll each Power Poll each week, which will be up Thursday morning, you want to participate? Go to our Patreon page. We had a couple people subscribe this week. Guess what? Your incentive is you can hijack the poll and put uh, UNLV first if you want to. We don't care, right? Ah, oh, it looks like I lost Matt because my thing, my recording came undone. So I'll end the show right here. Um, dang it. But yeah, if you want to participate, that's great. Give us a couple bucks. Patreon.com backslash MWC wire. 
And we will see you guys next week. And have a great weekend. Check our coverage all weekend long. And, yes, we're biased to get your team.